Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So, yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Coming up on Revolt Black News. It's hard seeing a little girl just laying in her bed, asking, saying, I, I want my mommy, but I'm not her mother. It's not the same, and it will never be the same. An emotional interview from the mother of Ajika Owens, the woman gunned down by killer Karen, Susan Lorenz. America needs to wake up. Something needs to be done. And now this is urgent. It is literally a matter of life and death. That was my daughter. Tomorrow it could be someone He's never been away from this long. This is very unlike him and it's very alarming. I'm scared, I'm mortified. Missing in Cleveland, black children are disappearing at an alarming rate. One in six has the potential to fall into to human trafficking or sex trafficking. Where are they and why aren't police doing more to find them? And it's summertime. How many times you a week? Like on a good week? I don't know, maybe 10? And things are heating up. At the end of the day, people are having sex because it's enjoyable. People want a climax. But is this new sexual freedom sparking a rise of sexually transmitted diseases? Plus, you two spent six weeks touring Europe together. Anthony Anderson and his mama hit the road. That is a lot of mother and son time. Too much. They're telling Revolt Black News all about their trip. All that and more as the Black News Revolution starts right now. Hey everyone and welcome to the show. I'm Mara Escampo and we begin tonight with an update to a story that we've been following closely. So Pamela, we just recently in the last few hours learned that the district attorney is not going to be pursuing murder charges in this case, but rather manslaughter. What's your reaction to that decision? It was heartbreaking. I was very disappointed, sad, angry, disgusted. Yet another heartbreak for the mother of Ajika A.J. Owens. Less than one month after her daughter was fatally shot by her neighbor, a white woman many have described as a racist, prosecutors announced they would not seek murder charges. My gut just tells me that it just all boils down to race, that because Ashika was a black woman, I don't understand how it cannot be murdered to with all the evidence that we have. And so my conclusion is we have a white shooter and a black victim. Simple as that. On June 2nd, AJ's neighbor in Ocala, Florida, Susan Lawrence, reportedly terrorized neighborhood black children while they played, including AJ's children, allegedly calling them the N-word and slave, throwing things at them and taking one of their iPads away. When AJ went to confront the neighborhood terrorist about assaulting her children, Susan shot through the closed door killing AJ right in front of her son. It took four days for Susan to be arrested. What message do you think it sends to them that the woman who killed their mother is not going to face murder charges? The message it's gonna send to them as it sends to me is that people who make decisions, people who make laws, people who enforce the laws, 
don't value their mother's life, don't care. And I wholeheartedly believe that if my daughter being a black woman shot Susan, a white woman, the narrative would be completely different. She would have been arrested immediately and it would be murdered too, undoubtedly. Well, in the statement that the DA's office provided, they said that their reason for not pursuing the second degree murder charge was that second degree murder requires evidence of a depraved mind, evidence of hatred, spite, ill will, or evil intent on the part of the shooter towards the victim. What makes you believe that there was, in fact, evidence of evil intent um, from this woman to your daughter? You have a woman terrorizing her son took his property, broke it, threw items at him. Then she proceeds to tell the son, her son, go get your mother. So she baited her using racial epithets, epithets, called him slave, the N-word. All of that was done. That's not a depraved mind at children. I don't know what is. She told him to go get his mother. She knocks on the door never opens the door and shoots through a locked metal door. She planned, it was premeditated. I don't know what else murder two is. You have all these racial slurs. Clearly there was hate, hate for her son, hate for her, hate for black people. Pamela is now raising her four young grandchildren. How are they doing right now? They're grieving. And I believe the grieving is intensifying. The most stressful, hurtful, grieving time is at night. And that's what the entire family, myself included, when you're laying in your bed and you're still, you know, you're with your thoughts. It's hard seeing a little girl just laying in her bed, asking, saying, I, I want my mommy. I try to hug her and console her, but I'm not her mother. It's not the same, and it will never be the same. And your grandchildren, of course, did nothing wrong in any of this. They were victims of abuse and attempted assault, as I understand it. Are your grandchildren experiencing any misplaced guilt? Are they blaming themselves for what happened? They definitely are. The nine-year-old, he's the one that left his tablet, and he was the one that was standing next to his mother when she was shot. He believes had he not left his tablet, that none of this would have happened. My 12-year-old grandson, he had to make calls. He was trying to get help. He couldn't do anything to help his mother. His, his logic is he couldn't save her. He didn't know how to do CPR. So he's blaming himself that she passed, that she died, because he couldn't do anything to save her. Misplaced guilt, it must be reeking, tearing at their soul, at their heart to witness their mother's death and to feel that if they had done something differently and they did nothing wrong, nothing, they did exactly what they should have in this unfortunate situation that Susan created. But you all have left the home that was next door to Susan's home. Yes, we have. From the moment that shooting happened, they never returned back there. What do you want us to know about AJ? 
She was full of life. She valued family. If you were in her world, you weren't just a friend. You were family to her. Family meant everything to her. She literally lived for her kids. She sacrificed everything for her kids. She didn't go on vacations. She didn't go on shopping sprees. She lived, she worked for her kids. She wanted nothing but the best. And she made it happen with, with what little she had. They were attending private schools. She valued their education. An amazing mom, a heart of gold. If Susan is convicted and gets the maximum sentence, it would be 30 years. Given her age, it's likely that she will be in prison for the rest of her life. Would you be satisfied with a 30-year sentence? Would that feel like justice to you? No, because justice is the maximum the law allows, which is life. And it could be up to 30 years. She may not receive 30 years. We don't know if she's convicted how many years she will truly receive. So no, that would not satisfy me. She has taken these four kids' entire life their mother ripped from them for the rest of their lives. That hole in their heart will never fully heal. 30 years is not enough. I've moved from hurt to anguish and despair. I don't understand how in 2023 in the United States of America that a woman unarmed with her nine-year-old son knock on the door and can be shot and killed through a locked, closed metal door. I don't understand how an arrest wasn't made immediately. I don't understand how this is not murder too. It was premeditated. She planned it. America needs to wake up. Something needs to be done. And now this is urgent. It is literally a matter of life and death. That was my daughter. Tomorrow it could be someone else. It could be. One day, my granddaughter is going to be a mother. That could easily be her. And you as her mother have, have lost so much. Is there anything that you would say to Susan? If she were watching this, what would you say to her? I would say to Susan, you looked at her as a black woman that you hated. But the love that this community and her family had for her and still does, is so much bigger, so much greater than the hate that you had for her. And there are so many people who love her and will never forget her. A GoFundMe has been set up to provide support for AJ Owens' children and family as they navigate this terrible loss. You can find more information on our Instagram page. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. 
At participating McDonald's. Welcome back. I'm Mara Escampo. Moving on now to another story that's been trending all over social media. Two weeks ago, Sharice Snowden's world was turned upside down. This is very unlike him and it's very alarming. I'm scared. I'm mortified. On June 17th, Sharice's teenage son, Keyshawn Williams, disappeared. It's scary because he's never been away from me this long. I've always at least known where he's at or, you know, the next day he'll say, okay, mom, I've been here. Sharice immediately filed a police report, becoming one of dozens of families in the area looking for their kids. All over Cleveland, there are family members who are wondering where these individuals are. Part of an unprecedented surge of missing children in Cleveland, Ohio. And you look at the stats, they, they, they are startling. 27 kids went missing between May 2nd and May 16th, reportedly half of all open missing children cases in the area in just a two-week period and up 20% from last year. Derek Hamilton there, uh, age 15, he has been missing five days. Ebony S. Scott missing four days. Serenity Perry has been missing nine days. And that is a big surge in a two week, you know, in such a condensed time frame. It is definitely something that the community at large, so whether it's law enforcement or just the general community should be very concerned about. Cleveland is a majority African-American city, so most of the children are, are African-American. And the disappearances continue. The Cleveland Missing Persons database showing several teens reported missing after that two-week period. Like 15-year-old Darvier Malaya Ward, 17-year-old Miranda Nyla Bishop, Sincere Oliver, just 13 years old. Almost all of them are black and brown. And nationwide, 40% of all missing people are black. This is a class and caste a problem that we have in society. So it's both class and it's also race and ethnicity. No doubt about it. If it was a 9210 uh, area code, definitely the national media would be taking this up. I mean, look, they're still talking about John Benet Ramsey. As families look for their kids, they're also looking for answers. Where have the kids gone and why haven't they been found? In many cases, it's because no one is really looking for them. The vast majority of those juveniles are, are missing, are actually uh, uh, runaways. Many times, a uh, missing child of color is classified as a runaway when they disappear. And if you're classified as a runaway, you do not receive the Amber Alert or any type of media coverage at all, so the community isn't aware. In 2004, 14-year-old Gina De Jesus disappeared on her way home from school in Cleveland. Police classified her as a runaway and didn't issue an Amber Alert. But her family was determined to find her, handing out flyers on the street. One of the people who took a flyer? Her kidnapper, who cruelly brought the flyer to her as she was trapped in his basement dungeon, telling her, I talked to your mom today and she gave me this flyer. Gina was held captive for more than nine years by Ariel Castro in the dungeon he created in the basement of his home in the Tremont District of Cleveland, Ohio. Brutally abused and sexually assaulted, along with two other women, Michelle Knight and Amanda Berry. I've been kidnapped. 
God, and I've been missing for 10 years, and I'm, I'm here, I'm free now. The three finally escaping in 2013. Now, almost 10 years after their escape, Cleveland has a bigger problem. Even in cases where teens do run away on their own, they may still be in a lot of danger. Even if the child left home voluntarily, we have to ask, what are they running away from? And ultimately, who are they running into? Because we know that being on the street for 24 to 48 hours, most times these children are propositioned for sex and they become victims of sex trafficking. You know, they have to survive, right? They need food and shelter, and sadly, these pimps and pedophiles are taking advantage of them. A study by the Urban Institute indicates that pimps and pedophiles, they prey on young Black girls and women. Why? Because one, the penalty is not as harsh for trafficking them. And two, they believe that no one is going to look for those missing young women and girls. And how disheartening is that? An endangered runaway is, is a child that has clearly run away. Maybe they're dealing with, with medical issues or mental health issues, or there's physical abuse or sexual abuse, or um, that it's maybe known that they're with um, an older adult or they're with um, potential drug users or drug dealers or other factors that would put their, their regular safety um, and well-being in danger. So um, unfortunately, lots of times it could be multiple of those. In March, the U.S. Marshals Service worked with several state and local agencies on a 10-week national operation called We Will Find You. And they did, recovering more than 200 children nationwide and 35 in northern Ohio. A lot of the endangered runaway juveniles that we're helping try to recover that um, their primary guardian is the state. And so we do see that on a, on a pretty regular basis. You know, it's disheartening to learn that many of the children didn't have photos, so they didn't have a missing persons flyer. Almost all were runaways and almost all in extreme danger. One in six has the potential to fall into to human trafficking or sex trafficking. I think that's super alarming and that's a super high number. I mean, one is too many, right? But this is a mission that we need to, to put resources in and, and really kind of recover as many of these juveniles as we possibly can. Keyshawn's mother is on her own mission to find her son. She was finally able to convince police to issue an Amber Alert for him and is hopefully one step closer to getting him back in her arms. Wherever my child is, whoever has my child, please, please let my child come home. This is all I have. My child has a whole life ahead of him. Switching gears now to another story that has the culture going back and forth. What's causing the crazy rise of sexually transmitted diseases in black people? Find out when we come back. Hey there, ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah, or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. 
It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities, from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. Prime offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash Prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before. Welcome back. Back in the 90s, a diagnosis of HIV seemed like a certain death sentence. People were terrified and safe sex was preached like gospel. Well, now, a few decades later, HIV is managed like a chronic disease and nobody seems to be scared anymore. Has that lack of fear made safe sex a thing of the past? And is it fueling the rise of sexually transmitted diseases across the black community? They're the viral videos from this year's Mocha Fest in Houston that are so shocking, we can't fully show them. I like to encourage people to break away from normative views on sex and relationships leading them to sexual freedom. Sarah Taylor, a nurse, and multiple other people openly performing oral sex during a pool party in broad daylight. But Black Twitter wasn't having it. Users posting comments like, it should be called Disease Fest. And this is exactly why STDs are at an all-time high. And they're not wrong. STDs are at an all-time high, climbing for six years in a row to 2.6 million in 2019. The CDC saying the epidemic shows no signs of slowing. So in my 12 years of being a doctor, we have steadily been seeing a rise in sexually transmitted infections, especially in communities of color. And especially within like the last five years, we've seen rises in all of the STDs and it's concerning. In just one year from 2020 to 2021, gonorrhea and chlamydia increased 4%. Found out that this first person that I've ever been with ended up giving me a sexual transmitted disease. And now that I have it, my life has been terrible. And syphilis, which was almost completely wiped out in the 90s, is now back like baggy jeans, surging 32% in just one year to its highest level in 70 years. We are definitely seeing a rise in syphilis. It can actually go into your brain and cause a lot of like, issues neurologically in terms of your balance, your memory, like just blindness, all kinds of things. And what we're seeing is that it's definitely on the rise in the black community. There's even a rise in throat cancers caused by HPV, the virus that causes genital warts. And the black community is being hit the hardest with STD rates five to eight times higher than for white people. Black people have the highest rates of HIV infection and black women make up the majority of new HIV infections among women. My name is Jason Pander. I'm the founder and um, owner of B Condoms the only black owned condom company. Jason Panda left the cushy comforts of corporate law to try and address the racial disparities in sexual health. That's how you see our condoms are made, the best condoms in the world. We produce nearly 2 billion condoms a year. I think 
for all of the negative kind of statistical analysis and statistical information that we have, I also see a huge opportunity to really be able to provide equity as it relates to STDs, right? And how we're able to do that is number one, education. Right. I think we we must find a way to ele- to educate and to elevate the message in a way that connects. Right. That's what I try to do with our social media. It may be edgy, but we have I'm like rolling. any other characters, like, <laughs> not in costume. But I would be open to the costume. I think we have to work on stigma. We've become too factionalized. Right. You'll have LGBT. You'll have black women. You'll have black men. Everybody working in their own little cocoons. Right. And there's not not enough crossover across communication to really allow us to be able to move as one unit, right? So why are we seeing these increases? In the 90s and into the 2000s, safe sex messages were everywhere. People were terrified of getting HIV and dying from AIDS. I'm not gay, so I can't get it right. But advances in medicine changed everything, transforming HIV into a manageable chronic illness. I was diagnosed at three. And the doctor said I wouldn't live past the age of five. I just turned 30. So that goes to show that there is hope now. The medications are better than ever. It's been some great moments, but also some tough moments. And I think that's what the blessing is of my life. Prominent figures sharing their stories of living with HIV, not dying from it. Then came incredibly effective preventative drugs like PrEP, reducing HIV transmission by 99%. HIV infection rates overall stabilized and then dropped, and so did a lot of fear. How many times you a week? Like on a good week? I know maybe 10? Ten what? Time. Ten times a week. You said ten times a week with different people. It's exhilarating. Mm. It is absolutely exhilarating. Doctors say there are other factors too. The pandemic made it harder for people to get tested and know their status, and put a strain on medical services overall. Also, adding to high STD numbers, a new era of sexual freedom fueled by online dating and easy hookups and the growing use of recreational drugs like methamphetamines and opioids, both of which can lead to riskier sexual behavior. Oh, aren't you on the pill? Yeah. So why do we need this? I feel people are not as scared anymore about HIV, especially with PrEP and just in general, like when I was a teenager and a young adult, saw TLC with the condoms draped all over them. We're not seeing that as much in popular culture. Although I see patients with HIV all the time and it's still something that we're seeing, especially women of color, black women coming in with new cases of it all the time. The end goal is how do we move forward as a more we can own our sexuality, we can own our sexual health, we can enjoy it because at the end of the day, people are having sex because it's enjoyable. People want a climax, like, and there's nothing wrong with that. But here goes, we need to educate them on how to live their life in a way that's safe and in a way that helps us move forward as a community and as a people. Joining me now are sexologist Michelle Hope and Dr. Cedric Pulliam, Senior Advisor to the Office of Infectious Disease and HIV AIDS Policy. Dr. Pulliam, I want to start with you because we've seen increases in rates of almost every STD when it seemed that for quite some time we were making a lot of progress. What's happening? Although there is a lot of progress, what we have to realize is that during the COVID-19 pandemic, people still were having plentiful amounts of sex. 
one thing that we really didn't account for is with people having sex and with COVID happening and the pandemic happening and many health services being staggered or somewhat closed even, testing services and things of that nature being uh, very strict in the sense of who can come, all of these elements counter into what we are seeing now in the epidemiological data showcasing higher STD rates specifically in the black community. During the 90s, and of course during the 80s, HIV and AIDS seem like a death sentence. And now we are in some ways a little bit uh, victims of our own success because HIV, people know to be a very treatable condition that they can live a very long, healthy life with. Do you think that there's a psychological component that people are just not that scared? And that's why we're not seeing enough you know, safe sex. What we're not seeing is a road to sex education that can give young people access to information, um, opportunities to practice conversation and communication. If we do not provide pathways for young people to get a education on sex and sexuality, that it is medically accurate, that is infirming, and that is inclusive, we are leaving them up to figure it out on their own. And there is a lot of disinformation on the internet, which is where they're turning. You know, condom use, the, and these are always self-reported numbers, but those who report using condoms, the number was 75% um, in 2011. Now it's dropped to about 42%. So why do you think we're seeing that? We all got real comfortable and we stopped talking about the basic and most effective part of preventing unplanned pregnancy, preventing STIs, which is condom use. And then when it comes to condom use, if you don't know and don't have the skill set to have a conversation with your partner, like I'm not doing if, if it ain't protected, we ain't doing it. Right. Those are conversations that even as adults, people have to practice because it can get uncomfortable. Someone might say, well, I thought you cared about me. You don't trust me. That is why sex education is needed, not only for young people, but also for adults. So we can practice having those conversations about our status and about what type of protection we're going to be using. How do you make someone care when they say, well, if I get this, yeah. I can just treat it with an antibiotic. Who cares? How do you get them to care about what a lot of people consider to be the lesser STDs? The lesser STDs are still vitally important because they must be treated. If left untreated, those symptoms and conditions to your health can exacerbate tremendously, especially over time. I've witnessed this personally with, you know, doing health services in the community. And again, during the COVID pandemic, people saw this quite a bit, especially in the Board of Health throughout Georgia. I think what we have to realize is that just like any other health condition untreated, diabetes, uh, congestive heart failure, kidney failure, dialysis, any of these things that are around our health, if they're left untreated, they only get worse. And that's exactly what we have to equate, regardless if it has a treatment or if it has a remedy. Just like if you think of genital herpes or herpes in general, regardless of which type of herpes you get, it's an STI, but it's something that's for your whole life. Michelle, a lot of the increases that we're seeing are in young people. 
And there seems to have been over the last few years, this, this move towards more sex positivity. Is part of what we're seeing a cultural shift among young people who are embracing their sexual freedom more, but not necessarily the safe sex that should come along with it. The hot tea is this. Culturally, we have moved much quicker than our legislative process has allowed us. And currently, we are seeing the regressive minority, the far right, continue to push us in a direction that pushes out ideology that shames sex and sex education in the classroom, as well as honest curriculum teachings. If we're not giving young people that don't have a clue accurate information, we are setting them up for failure. And this is why we are seeing STI skyrocket. The rates for STDs in the Black community are an estimated five to eight times that for whites. And when it comes to HIV infections, Black women make up the biggest group of new infections among women. So how do we tackle this problem specifically in the Black community, Doctor? We must begin talking and educating ourselves. HIV prevention methodologies, whether it's pre-exposure prophylaxis or PrEP, they are for Black women. They are for all types of genders, all types of sexual orientations. And we have to start having conversations because PrEP, for Black women, the percentage is very low nationally in the United States. Because I think uh, people think of PrEP as something for men who have sex with men. They don't necessarily think of it as something for you know, a woman who's who exclusively dates men to use. So do you think the, the messaging is getting through that this is an option and that it's actually a very effective preventative protective option? The advertising and marketing strategy of pharmaceutical companies in the beginning of pre-exposure prophylaxis or PrEP was very targeted to gay men or men who have sex with men. And it had went that way for a very long time until we started seeing actual women in commercials. Most women in general, especially those that could be married, probably have not been asked to get a, a, a HIV or full panel STI test in over a decade or more. And that's because the medical system and these doctors are almost programmed to say, well, this is not an issue for a married person. Whereas it really is. You should always be in your once a year or twice a year physicals with your doctor, you should be getting tested for HIV too. Michelle, if you had to talk to especially young people who want to embrace their sexuality, they want to have fun, but they want to do it in a safe way. So what would you say? We need parents to get real about the fact that their children are having sex, the fact that their children may be non-binary, the fact that their children may be gay. And I need you to recognize our current political system is trying to not only roll back sex education, but also access to care. Young people, have all the fun you want, use a condom, and start demanding that you are given the resources and education in schools that you go to. Sexuality is a part of your everyday life, and it is not always about the act of sex. And if we don't do something now, we are going to continue to suffer as a community. So I, you could be mad at me. You could think I'm a cuckoo crazy, but somebody got to do it. Well, it sounds like you're crazy about our people and about keeping us healthy. And there's nothing better to be nuts about. So thank you for your passion uh, when it comes to this topic. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you, Dr. Pulliam. We really appreciate your perspective. Coming up, actor and comedian Anthony Anderson and his mom are heading around the world and we're catching up with them to hear all about their travels. You don't want to miss it.
Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. We're going to go south of the River Thames. We're going to go to Brixton. It's been gentrified. It's no longer black. It's blackish. <laughs> Thank you. Welcome back. We all know that Anthony Anderson is a great entertainer, but did you know that it runs in the family? Our Kennedy Rue is here, and today she's got a special black family treat. Hey, Kennedy. Hey, Mara, that's right. I'm sitting down with actor Anthony Anderson and his mother, Mama Doris. They're headed on the trip of a lifetime together and talking to me about mothers, sons, and the black family legacy. How did you lose your virginity? So, hold on, girl, I'm texting your mom and daddy right now. <laughs> hold on. <laughs> no, you don't know them. Just friends of mine. Okay, go on with your questions. All right, I said I had to send them a picture of us. And that's how the interview started with old family friend Anthony and his mom. It's a whole lot of you don't know about me. I was there to talk to them about their e-reality show, Trippin' with Anthony Anderson and Mama Doris. Look, Mama, they go to Eiffel Tower. Which followed them along their vacation around the world together last fall. I'm your black tour guide. Mama, raise your hand. Let everybody know who you are. But what I got was a lot of this. You two spent six weeks touring Europe together. That is a lot of mother and son time. Too much. Mama Doris, tell me what Anthony did that got on your nerves. He want me to try all these weird type foods. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I ain't gonna do it. <laughs> I'm just ain't gonna do it. I hope you got a chin strap for that wig. I'ma knock the taste out your mouth. This kind of banter is what they do. Whether they're starring on a T-Mobile commercial together or appearing on the reboot of the game show to tell the truth. How is that person normally paid? When I want, I ask for $5,000 so I can put in my bosom. <laughs> and their new reality show puts their playful connection on full display. My life. Stop, stop. This trip was your gift to your mom, mm -hmm. who gave up her acting career to raise you. Mm -hmm. Let me correct you. My mother did not give up her acting career to raise me. My mother he didn't claimed. have an acting career. She's horrible. <laughs> She's a horrible actress. What movie came on? It was like some old Bill Cosby, Sidney Poitier movie, something mm -hmm. back then. My mom was like, oh, I'm in this movie. I was like, all right, so we were kids, we were watching it, and then a crowd scene came mm -hmm. with 250 extras. And I was like, where you at, mom? She said, there I am, in the white dress, in a crowd of 250 people. Like, we're supposed to know. That was my mother's acting. That was my mama's acting. All joking aside, Doris did put her acting dreams on hold after becoming a teen mom. Though she appeared in local theater, her focus was on raising Anthony and his stepbrothers in Compton, California. Her impact was the only topic that made Anthony reflective during our interview. As a nine-year-old, I was in the back of the theater at Compton Community College. Mm -hmm. My mother was in a play, A Raisin in the Sun. Yeah. I'm in the back uh, of the theater with my two brothers at the time. I'm the oldest, and I looked up on stage, and I said, that is what I'm going to do with the rest of my life. Are you just smoking a cigarette? I I'm only smoking to lose weight. Smoking kills my appetite. Anthony has been working steadily since getting his first big role on the sitcom Hang Time in 1995. Nothing satisfies the teddy bear more than the family platter. 
He also spent three seasons on the long-running crime drama, Law & Order. Before landing the role of advertising executive Dre on Blackish in 2014. Baby, I am killing it. I am up for any challenge. You know what? I feel like I can re-roof the house. For the most part, Doris stayed out of the spotlight until she appeared with Anthony on Celebrity Edition of Family Feud in 2015. Name something a new magician might pull a rabbit out of. It's nuts. <laughs> Producers took notice, which led to her casting on To Tell the Truth. Now she's a star in her own right, rubbing elbows with other stars like Janet Jackson. I have to ask you, Mama Doris, because I saw on Instagram that you pushed Anthony out of your picture with Janet Jackson. She sure did. Yeah. Why? Why didn't you want him she in the picture? Sure I asked for the picture, and he tried to <laughs> jump in with me. First off, the only reason you met Janet is because of me. So what? And so she I, wanted I to have take to a go, picture. I have to go to Miss Jackson because mm -hmm. I'm nasty and say, Miss <laughs> Jackson. <laughs> Jackson, will you take a picture with my mom? She said, Anthony, of course I take a picture with your mom. So I'm doing the selfie. So I did this. Oh, and my yeah. mama give me the elbow. <laughs> my mama give me the elbow. Now, Anthony, who has filled in for Jimmy Kimmel a few times, says he wants to launch a talk show with Mama Doris as his sidekick. But he says there's only one thing they may never do again. Last question for you guys. Will you ever vacation yes. like this no. again? Yes. No. Yes. Yes, no. before you get it out. Kennedy. We're going to South Kennedy. America. I'm never going to have a sweet vacation with my yeah. mother. Doing carnival. Yeah, shake your clappers. Clap your clappers. Dimension clappers. I don't have a booty. I'm walking reverse. This is my booty right here. All right. So, I'm mama. Gonna shake my clap. Okay, mama. Kennedy has other interviews she got to do. Can you stop talking? I so love them together. You can catch Trippin' with Anthony Anderson and Mama Doris on E. This looks like so much fun, and I love the family legacy that they are building. I cannot wait to watch. Well, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So, yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba -da -ba -ba -ba. Well, that wraps it up for us. Remember to stay connected with us on Facebook, Twitter, Revolt on YouTube, our Revolt Black News podcast, and download the Revolt app. Until next time, good night, everyone. Hey there, ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? 
oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah. Or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities, from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. Prime offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash Prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before.